1: We're
2: in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, and as I have pointed out to you uh, on the previous messages, Paul is writing a letter to a young church to answer the questions and quiet their fears concerning their future. And Paul and his companions, when they were there, were only able to be with them and to disciple them for a few weeks, and after they left, these questions came up. And you'll remember that Paul sent Timothy, because Paul had been driven further and further away from this young church, Paul sent Timothy to check on them, to see how they were doing, because he was concerned for them. And Timothy has just returned in this letter, and he has brought these questions with him. And Paul, in this letter to the Thessalonians, is answering those questions. One question was, what will happen to those believers who die before the rapture? And Paul answers that question in chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Paul tells them that the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we will all depart together. Nobody that is a child of God will be left behind. Then they asked about the exact time and date of the rapture and the events surrounding the day of the Lord. And Paul answers that in chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Paul tells them... You already know all you need to know. And as to the exact times and dates, only the Father knows the answer to that. Now in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4-8, through Paul is going to begin to address why they should not fear missing the rapture. And why they will not experience the wrath of God in the day of the Lord. And that's our text for the day. As we said last week, the day of the Lord is a day of judgment, it's a day of gloom, it's a day of darkness, it's a day of doom. But it is for the unbeliever. It's not for the child of God. Now to illustrate this, Paul begins to point out the differences between the child of God and the unbeliever. And he does this through contrast. He starts... By contrasting the rapture, that joyous event uh, where Christ comes and gathers his loved ones to him. To the day of the Lord, that day of judgment, that day of condemnation, that day of God's wrath. It is a day of judgment for the unbeliever. Then we have... Night and day, darkness and light, being asleep or awake, drunk or sober, and other contrast. And all of these are illustrating the differences between believers and unbelievers. Now Paul is assuring these new believers that they do not share the same future as the lost. Because they are different. They are not the same, they do not share the same future as the lost, they do not share the same life as the lost, and this has to do with their birth. It has everything to do with their birth. We do not share their heritage or their destiny, because we, as believers, are in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Do you ever think of yourself as being fresh and new? Well, it's a little bit hard to convince myself when I'm standing in front of a mirror. But the reality is that we are fresh and new. We are new creations. We are literally in the genesis of our existence. This is the womb in which the child of God is shaped and born, and he is born in Christ. There is nothing the same. The old has passed away. You say, well, if the old is passed away, why am I still dealing with the issues of the past? Why am I still dealing with the behaviors of the past? The emotions of the past? Because the old man has passed away. And you are a new spiritual creature. But all the baggage of the soul still exists. And here's the work of the enemy. The enemy is working all out to convince you that nothing has changed. That nothing has changed. He'll use that mirror to illustrate the truth. He'll use the people around you, and you will begin to believe that what is normal is what you see with your eyes in the world. But that's not who you are. You are a new creation. Now this is important for you to understand because Paul is going to continue with making the contrast and his point is, as his point is through most of his letters, I want you to understand first who you are. The reason that you are fearful, Thessalonians, the reason that you are afraid and believe what you have believed when you've been deceived is that you do not fully understand who you are. You do not fully understand why you are treated differently. We are not all the same. We share a likeness in the body. "...and the capacity of the soul. But we do not share the same life. We are different and distinct in our creation, in our nature, our behavior, our nurture, and certainly our future. To the degree that we embrace who we are in Christ, we experience life. To the degree we try to identify with the world, we diminish the life we have and we deceive ourselves." Let's look at our text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 4 through 8. But you are not in, given up to, the power of darkness, brethren, for that day to overtake you by surprise like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong either to night or to the darkness. Accordingly then, let us not sleep as the rest do. But let us keep wide awake, alert, watchful, cautious, and on guard. And let us be sober, calm, collected, and circumspect. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But we belong to the day. Therefore, let us be sober and put on the breastplate, corslet of faith and love. And for a helmet... The hope of salvation. Now, if you look at verse 4, it begins with, but you. And Paul is making a distinction here, because if you go back to verse 3, it ends with, they. They will not escape. So, in contrast with you, they will not escape. Paul says, you brethren, and that word brethren in the Greek means born of the same womb or family, you brethren are not given up to darkness for that day to overtake you. Why? What day? What day is he talking about? Well, verses 1-3 through 3 are talking about the day of the Lord. That is the day of judgment. The day of the Lord is what Paul's been talking about. The people who will be experiencing the day of the Lord will be those who are given up to the power of darkness, but that's not you. Notice the difference. Now this is in present tense, which means you are continually not given to darkness, perpetually beyond its grasp. You're a different creature. The unbeliever is in a perpetual state of darkness. Why? Well, because they're born in darkness. They are who they are by birth. They are still in Adam. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, For just as by because of their union of nature in Adam all people die, so also by virtue of their union of nature shall all in Christ be made alive. You can see the difference is not about behavior. It's about birth. Paul had told them in verse 2 that the day of the Lord would come as a thief in the night, meaning it would come unexpectedly. It would come like a thief in the night who comes under the cover of darkness. But Paul says, you're not given to darkness. Brethren, brethren... This as you are, this day will not overtake you. And that word overtake, literally, if you were to t- look at it in the Greek, it's, it's a violent word. It's like a, a lion pouncing on you unexpectedly. It's a surprise. It is a powerful grasping. That day will not overtake you. Colossians 1.13 says, The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. John 8:12 says, once more Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, "I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not be walking in dark, but will have the light which is life. Who is light It is Jesus, he who follows me in the light, which means he who is birthed of the light will no longer walk in darkness because he will be in the light. And being in the light is not like being under a light. It is literally being part of the light. You will not walk in darkness, which means to live In darkness. Doesn't mean to behave in darkness. You will not live in darkness, but you will live in light. Which is, now get this, which is life. Now that is very clear. Darkness is not life, light is life. Which means Jesus is life and everything else is death. John twelve thirty six While you have the light, believe in the light. Jesus speaking of himself. Have faith in it. Hold to it. Rely on it. That you may become sons of the light and be filled with light. What are you going to become? Sons, which means you will be birthed into the light. You will be part of the light. You will be the offspring of the light. If you are a believer, you are a son or a child of the light. Now let me ask you, could there be any greater contrast than darkness and light? We are distracted by this flesh. And we believe because all men have a body that we are all just alike except in personality, faith, or behavior. Well, that's wrong. God sees a huge difference the contrast is very stark. It's like comparing a fish to a monkey, and though I'm quite sure an evolutionist could probably connect the two, the reality is that they're totally different. They are totally two different creatures. So, we are light. And I'm not saying just because there's a contrast and a difference that we're somehow supposed to walk in pride and look down on the lost. That's not walking like a son of the light. God loves them, and he sees the contrast better than we see it. He sees the darkness. He sees their hatred of him. He sees their refusal to accept his love. But he still, because he is God, and God, First John tells us, is love, because he is who he is, he says, I will be God to them whether they ever receive me or not. To be God to the lost, he chooses to love them. Now, what is the standard of behavior for the children of light? Well, it is not a what. It is a who. And it is Jesus. You see, we live out of the character of Christ because we have his life. But we are not light because of our behavior. You understand that? We're not light because of our behavior. We are light because of birth. Even in failure, we are light. A friend of mine tells a story by way of or tells an illustration and I love it. And what he says is this He says um He said, just suppose that my kids are absolute terrors. They take firecrackers to the tails of cats. They throw rocks at the windows of the neighbors. They are constantly scratching and, and, and destroying the cars that are parked around the house. They are never helping. They're disrespectful. They are not courteous. They're doing things that, that are just turning the neighborhood upside down, and everybody hates to see them coming. Okay? Okay? Now let's suppose that the neighbor's kids, on the other hand, are yes sir, no sir, they're very kind, they're very gentle, they're always doing what they're told. They'll even come over and mow a a neighbor's lawn for free, just because it needed mowing. I mean, these guys are absolute angels. They always do what they're told, and they come in right when they're called. And And the neighborhood looks at them and says, wow, we're just so blessed to have them around us. Now let me ask you a question. When I walk out of the house at dinner time and yell, dinner, who am I expecting to show up? No, the reality is I expect my children. To... Well, you know what? Wouldn't it be nicer to have the neighbor kids over? Well, why don't I? Well, that's the point of the illustration. They're not my children. They're not my children. It's not a matter of their behavior. Though they may deserve the meal more than my own, the reality is they're not my own. And I give them the meal. I give my children the meal because they are my children. Well, this is the truth of us. This is the truth of the sons of the light. And actually, sons of light is a Hebrew idiom. It, uh, the Hebrews would say a man is a son of whatever influence dominated his character and, and his behavior. Look at verse 6. In verse 6 and 7, Paul begins to contrast the behavior of the sons of darkness to the sons of light. Verse 6, he says, Accordingly then, let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us keep wide awake, alert, watchful, cautious, and on guard, and let us be sober, calm, collected, and circumspect. Now accordingly then, in other words, since you are sons of light, let us not sleep. Now this is not talking about physical sleep. It's about being alive unto God, living in the context of your relationship with God. Notice Paul is not saying you need to be people of the day. He is saying because you are People of the day, act accordingly, according to who you are, because it is according to your nature. Paul's not asking them to become day people. He's not asking them to become sons of life. He is asking them to behave in accordance to who they are. You say, why are you continuing to harp on that point? Because the reason that Christians live defeated lives is because they forget who they are and they believe that their relationship with the Lord is all about their behavior, but their relationship with the Lord is all about their relationship through Christ. Now, I'm telling you something that most of us would know automatically and would be able to quote at me. But let me ask you a question. When you fail and fall, do you feel estranged from God? Is God somebody you share an intimate relationship with? Do you recognize your union with Christ? Do you walk in that union? Or is it just a distant knowing? Here's the thing. I know that when I have certain friends, and I am away from them for a long time, and I meet them again, it's almost uncomfortable. Because you're not sure how to approach. Sometimes you ever had that feeling? Certain friends are that way. Well, I'm going to tell you, because the predisposition of your soul, when you don't walk in the truth of who you are in Christ, when you are around him, you begin to do this. Come close, but not too close. Look unto me, but don't look too closely. Because I know deep within me my behavior hasn't always matched up with the truth of who I am. And frankly, I don't feel like who I am. I'm letting my behavior, my emotions, my thoughts define my Christianity and my relationship with the Lord. Let me tell you something. You know what that is? That is unbelief. You're operating as though Christ never died. And it will continually make you feel distant from him. Paul is not saying, become people of the day, because they are people of the day. He's not saying, become sons of light, because they are sons of light. He is saying, behave accordingly. Day people can act like night people, but it doesn't suit them. Again, it's it's like a monkey trying to act like a fish. Well, how long will that work? Well, not for very long. He can try to imitate a fish, but can he really call it life? I'm going to tell you something. There are a lot of Christians who are identifying more with the world than they are with who they are in Christ. It's a greater priority. They are more acquainted with their feelings, more acquainted with the likes and dislikes of others, more acquainted with their own personal hurts, more acquainted with the issues of the day, more acquainted with politics than they are with their Lord. They spend more time. And listen, here's the reality of it. You will know best the one you spend your time with. Isn't that true? You will know best the one who your thoughts are constantly coming to. Paul says, we need to be alert. I know that your behavior is not perfect, but you are not secured by your behavior. You're secured by being in Christ. Now Paul has said that the unbeliever is a son of darkness, dwells and lives in darkness, and now he says they are asleep. It's the sleep of insensitivity. It's pitch black, and they're totally unaware of a spiritual reality. They cannot see or feel or have any sensitivity to the activity of God. They are dead to God. I suppose, you know, it's like if we were to have a a casket up here with a body in it, do you think it would bother him if I turned the lights off and on? Do you think he'd get annoyed with that? Do you think he'd get annoyed if I decided to sing some of my old rock and roll songs to him? Most people do. Do you think he would become irritated if I kept poking at him or telling knock-knock jokes? No, he wouldn't. Why? Because he's dead. He cannot be sensitive to it. He can't feel it. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 says, For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and the likeness of God. Now look at that verse. Is he saying that the truth is not there? Is he saying the light is not there? No. He is saying that truth and light is about them, but they refuse to see it. They can't see it. They're blind to it. It is a condition of their soul. It is a condition of their nature. They cannot see what is really there. Now listen. Well, I will tell you that as Christians, you can live as children of darkness. You can become insensitive to truth. You can become insensitive to the light. Now you say, well, wait a minute, aren't we light? Well, what did I just describe for you earlier in your relationship with the Lord? People who treat God like this have become insensitive to the light. They don't see the light within them, and they're afraid of what the light will reveal without them or apart from them. You become insensitive to the truth that you are light. You become insensitive to the truth of God within you, and you hide from it. Ephesians 4.17 also says, so, 17 and 18, speaking of those who dwell in darkness, So this I say solemnly, Testify in the name of the Lord as in His presence that you must no longer live as the heathen. The Gentiles do in their perverseness, in the folly, vanity, and emptiness of their souls, and in the futility of their minds. Don't do it. And now notice it's a choice there. Their moral understanding is darkened, and their reasoning is beclouded. They are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception, the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to their hardness of heart, to the insensitiveness of their moral nature. says, be alert to the things of God. To the presence of God To the working of God To the activity of God
1: Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger For His Life Revealed The radio ministry of His Life Fellowship In San Antonio, Texas We hope today's message has encouraged you To yield to His life In every situation Rest in His life moment by moment And receive from His life All that you need to show Christ In this world If you'd like to know more Visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you.